Would you pray with me? Father, what a blessed occasion. What a beautiful thing to be able to gather together. What rich words, what depth, what peace, what truth, Father. Thank you for your kindness and making that man so long ago compose those words that speak so richly and deeply to our soul. They feed our mind and our hearts on truth. Father, so many of those words we speak so hastily, so many we pass over so quickly. Help us to think on them, Lord. Help them to meditate. Help us to meditate. Help them to burn in our hearts and our souls. Father, thank you for them. Thank you for a chance to be with brothers and sisters tonight. Lord, you've been so kind in letting us sit in here. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Put the last verse up there, too. I know I'm taking some time here out of lesson, but this is really something. Haste thee on from grace to glory, armed by faith and winged by prayer. Heaven's eternal days before thee. God's own hand shall guide us there. Soon shall close thy earthly mission. Soon shall pass, or swift shall pass thy pilgrim days. Hope shall change to glad fruition. Faith to sight and prayer to praise. This is what I like to call a dangerous song. (laughs) You know why? Because they're strong, strong words. They're beautiful words. But it's a dangerous song in ways. As we sing through that, I wonder, do I know what it's like to be looked upon, despised, and shamed? Do I know, can I relate with the Father and with the, or with the Son when He said those things? Well, beautiful words. And that doesn't really have anything in particular to do with the lesson, but I, man, that's, that song, those songs, all those songs speak richly to my soul, and I pray they do yours too. How quickly and hastily we can come before God sometimes, unless I'm on an island and saying that, and lift our voices and our words to the throne. I think there's danger in that. I think there's great beauty in worship and singing with a heart full of praise, but sometimes we do it too hastily. I speak for myself, at least when I say that. Oh, I'm glad to be here. (laughs) I am so glad to be here. There's no place I would rather be on a Friday night than with you all. Uh, I've looked forward to this night for some time. I really love being with you guys here. So it is a little warm in here. As Andy mentioned, um, integrity is a good word. And Andy said something a few weeks back. We don't want to create a hollow man here. We don't want a body and a mass. And we don't want you to just come and go and circle around. We want a body. We want fellowship. We want Christ-likeness. And so, yes, we'll... Yes, we'll pray and look into moving into a larger room, but not for the sake of losing fellowship and body life and love and, and uh, visiting with each other. In fact, uh, Lonnie and I, um, Lonnie is also a leader, helps with Cross Life and really helps organize the band music and does a lot of stuff around here. We were talking earlier, there's a, a global outreach conference coming up, a missions conference. And I think during that week, I don't know if you knew this, but there's crawl spaces underneath the church and so all we're, we're going to get in the crawl spaces and go under and pretend we're the Chinese church and, uh, and <laughs> I'm only halfway joking I think we're really thinking about that I really want to, I got to okay it with Andy of course but uh, we don't know what the fire code and things like that are but can you imagine us huddled kind of under there but you know we are, we're grateful maybe it feels a little cramped but uh, you're really going to feel claustrophobic come when we crawl into the uh, crawl space. Love one another uh, while you're here tonight. 
show one another kindness, serve one another. You want to be like the early church? I hear often people talk about wanting to be the early church. Love one another if you want to be the early church. Show kindness towards one another. I had a water. I don't see where it is. That's all right. Oh, it's right here. Thank you. Um, Can you show that slide, that introduction slide again? Last week, Andy did a tremendous job of talking about Jesus' words, Jesus' speech. His life, it was powerful, it was effective. It was God's very breath, what Jesus spoke. It was His will, it was perfect. He never messed up, it held weight, it held compassion, it held kindness. Jesus spoke, and He spoke often. He was with the crowds, but His words were different. They were separate, they were powerful. Tonight, we'll look at times when Jesus didn't mutter a word. He didn't say anything, at least not audibly. He spoke not to us but to God. Jesus talked to men much. The crowd swarmed around him. They followed him everywhere he went. It seems often he was speaking prophecy. He was speaking of things concerning himself. He was speaking of the gospel. In fact, the first words, as Jesus bursts on the scene in Mark 1.15, he says, The time is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe the good news. See, Jesus knew well what it meant to talk with men about God. He knew well, and he did it often. But Jesus also knew what it meant to talk to God about men. And he did it very well, and he set a beautiful example for us. Jesus prayed, and he prayed often. He prayed lovingly. He prayed strongly. He prayed often in the wilderness. He did battle for men and women on his, on his knees. He went to war. He went to his knees, and he spoke to his Father. I wonder if Jesus' knees were calloused from prayer. I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I'm, I'm kind of serious, too. I wonder, you know? Isaiah says he had no stately form of majesty. We don't know much about Jesus' physical appearance, except for that he was pretty common-looking. But I wonder. I wonder about his knees. And I wonder about your knees. Are they calloused in prayer? Do you know what it's like to be before your God? I wonder, are your knees calloused in prayer? Are my knees calloused in prayer? Now, I know I've already prayed, but uh, real quickly, I want to do it again. I want to ask the Lord's help for tonight, for you and for me, and that this time would be special. So let's pray again. Lord, help us to humble our hearts before you. I can be so quick to talk and and, uh, so slow to listen sometimes. Lord, give us grace tonight. Unless you move, Father, nothing happens. We want to abide in you and in doing so bear much fruit and, and give you glory. Lord, help that, to, help that to happen tonight. Put your favor upon tonight, Lord. Thank you for this precious time. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Precious time this is as we think on you and think on your son. Think on his words. Oh, Lord, make these truths penetrate, make them go deep instead of just glancing off of us, glancing off of me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you most of all for our precious salvation, that we can be counted as sons and daughters. Lord, we could go on and on. Thank you, Father. Amen. So our theme verse is 1 John 2.6. We say that every week. If you haven't been here before, that's what we're doing. 
we're going through the life of Christ. If we say that we abide in Him, we ought to walk even in the same manner as He walked. And so we look at Jesus' speech, we look at His conduct, we look at His life, we look at all these things. And tonight we look at His prayer life. What did Jesus do? How did He pray? Did He pray? When did He pray? How did He pray? Those kinds of things. As I listened and uh, read lessons and studied the Word and studied all kinds of things concerning this, I was reminded of... uh, a conference speaker that asked a gentleman, a pastor, he said, do you know somebody that can speak on prayer at my conference for me? The pastor said, no. I said, I'm not making the story up. This is a real story. Um, he said, no. And he said, what do you mean, no? You don't know anybody that can speak on prayer? He said, I know many men who pray and don't... I know many who speak on prayer and don't do it. I know many who pray and don't speak on it. I think that's a little bit of a dynamic here, and I'll let you decide who stands before you tonight. But I think on that, and I wonder why me, as I worked through studying this lesson, I wrestled with myself. Because I feel like my teaching is getting ahead of my practice sometimes, and I don't want that to be the case. Ezra said an example for us. He said, study, practice, preach. Why? Why me teach this? Well, truth be told, the topic came up, and as Andy and I were looking through them, I chose this one. Man, I love prayer. I love it. I love learning about it. I love reading it. I, I love studying it. I love listening to people talk to their father. And, and uh, I enjoy being encouraged by other men's prayers. I enjoy so many things about prayer, but all too often I don't enjoy prayer myself. See, prayer's hard work sometimes. And I enjoy studying prayer. But far too often I don't enjoy prayer myself. So what is prayer? It would be improper for me to teach on a topic without fully and at least partly explaining it before I go. But rather than come up with some fanciful explanation or some eloquent thing, let's see what the Bible has to say about prayer. I took these phrases, these things about prayer, right out of of the faces of Scripture. I figured we'd let Scripture define it. Prayer is referred to as bowing the knee, looking up, lifting the heart, pouring out your heart or soul, calling upon the name of the Lord, crying out to God, drawing near to God, crying to heaven, pleading with the Lord, seeking God, and making supplication. The Bible says that prayer ascends to heaven. It should be offered up in times of affliction in the Holy Spirit, with a forgiving spirit, with the heart and soul of a man, with confidence and submission to God, with sincere lips, with holiness and humility, and with a desire to be heard and with truth. It should come with boldness and persistence, and should be all the time, everywhere, and in everything. We see people in all different postures in prayer, bowing down, standing up, kneeling even flat on their face and spreading forth their hands or lifting them up to the Lord. Prayer is even evidence of conversion in some cases, and it's called, catch this, a delight of God. (laughs) Makes me think of that song, Show thy face and all is bright. Show thy face and all is right. Think what Father's smiles are thine. Isn't it something to know that the Lord delights in prayer? What a beautiful concept. What a special thing to know that He even delights in prayer. Child of heaven, canest thou repine? What does that mean? Turn away. How could I? Oh, how could I ever shrink away? How could I ever shy back when I know the the Father's smile is upon me? God delights in His children's prayers. What a special thing. The Bible goes on and on, and we could have a more full definition if we wanted, but a definition won't take you very far, will it? I can define many things that I cannot fully understand, even things that I cannot do. In fact, I can define economics pretty well. I took some economics courses at MSU, but I can't do it worth a lick. 
Just because I can say something doesn't mean that I can do it. Just because I can explain something doesn't mean that I understand it. Men can explain women, but they can't often understand them. <laughs> Two X chromosomes. I, I can explain that, but I, and I know it's the same way. But you get the concept, at least where I'm going with that. <laughs> see repercussions of that later. <laughs> the demons talked of God, even prayed to God, but they did not know God. They spoke of God, made requests of God, but they did not know Him or love Him. Not so with the Savior. Not so with Jesus. Though fully divine, he recognized, Jesus recognized his great need for prayer. His knees too were bent, perhaps even calloused. Maybe even calloused to the pleasure of the Father. There's much to be said on the subject of prayer, but for time's sake, we don't, unfortunately, get to cover it all. I want to break it into two categories for you, though, so you can think about it more logically, so you can wrap your minds around it a little bit. Uh, the first is the teachings of prayer, or didactic prayer. What did Jesus say about prayer? How did he instruct it? What were the parables he gave? It would be wrong of me to say, go pray without saying, this is what Jesus prayed, this is how he prayed, this is what he instructed. The second, of course, is the example of Christ in prayer. How did he apply what he knew? What did Jesus do about prayer? He taught much on it. What did he do with what he taught? What did he do with what he, know, what he knew? He could explain it, but he could also do it. He could also understand it. Luke 11.1, 1, the disciples say this, Lord, teach us to pray. Turn there if you want. Go ahead and turn to Luke 11.1. 1. We'll be there briefly. <clears throat> Luke 11.1. 1. This is a fascinating passage, and we'll come back to it later. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples, speaking of John the Baptist here. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not in temptation. But that's not the one you're super familiar with. The other one's in Matthew 6. Jesus sometimes repeated his most common teachings. And there's a reason they're not identical, isn't there? Because this was never meant to be some religious resuscitation over and over again. What did he mean when he said this? Pray to God. That's who our Father, who art in heaven. That's how he starts. Our Father, who art in heaven, how often are our prayers addressed to other people? Graham Nicholson asked a couple weeks back, uh, a teacher many of you know, have you ever been prayed at? <laughs> Anybody ever been prayed at? Lord, help us, especially some of us, to, to be more humble, Lord. <laughs> he said a brother came up to him afterwards and put his arm around him and said, we're here to pray with you, not at you, Graham. But I've done the same thing, not intentionally, but I remember... As I was new here, um, I was at one of our elders' meetings. Now, I'm not an elder, but because I'm on staff here, they graciously, graciously let me sit in and learn. And um, It was a couple weeks after my second shoulder surgery, and I was kind of groggy and out of it, and I hate being late. I know some of you guys know that. I, I really don't like being late, but I woke up at like 6.20, and they start at 6.30. And I was in my sling, and it takes me like 20 minutes to get dressed with that thing on. I buzz up here, and I get in here late. I'm having a rough morning. <laughs> and uh, I sit there and listen. And 
Pastor Brian, after it's done, he goes, somebody closed in prayer, and I put my head down like this and went into prayer posture so he wouldn't call on me. And he says, Tanner, so close us in prayer. And I said, yes, sir. And uh, I prayed, and I don't remember what I prayed, but I do remember how, who I prayed to. And it wasn't to God. It was to a room of men that I respect highly and appreciate greatly, but I prayed straight to them. And as soon as I said amen, I went, Lord, what have I done? I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of not. I went right to my office and I repented, and I thought, Lord, don't ever let me do that again. Don't aim your prayers at anyone other than our Father who art in heaven. Make sense? One of the most common, one of the most common things in prayer, I really believe that. Let us pray to God who is in heaven, not to our brother or sister sitting next to us. Exalt Him, saying, Hallowed be Your name. Lift God up. Hallowed. Hallow Your name. Lord, we lift Your name on high. Father, You are rightly, You are greatly to be praised. We ought to praise You. When we direct our gaze off ourselves and onto our Maker, this is not bargaining. This is humble submission by the creature to the Creator. Lord, hallowed be Your name. We lift it up. Submit to Him, saying, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Do you see a, a commonality here? Hallowed be Your name. My kingdom come, my will be no. Your kingdom come, your will be done. As opposed to my will be done. Lord, let yours be done. I don't want my will. God, I just want yours. Let your will be done. Look to Him, seeking our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Your physical, your spiritual substance, what you need. You need Christ. You need food to get by. Confess to Him, pleading, forgive us our debts. If you guys haven't memorized 1 John 1, nine, put that in your heads. That is one of the most beautiful verses in the whole Bible. If we are faithful to confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You go to God and you don't leave your sin outside. You take it to Him and you lay Him at the throne and you say, Father, I'm wicked. Take it away. Lord, cleanse me. Forgive me my debts. Forgive those who are indebted against us. I used to have a coach in football that I didn't get along with real great. We had a hard time. We butted heads often, and, and I, I'll be honest with you, I did not get along with the guy. We didn't have a great relationship. It was hard. And I prayed, Lord, help me to forgive this guy. Help me to be Christ to him. And you know what I noticed in prayer is that you can't hate someone you pray for. Lord, help us to forgive those who are indebted to us. Pray for those. Pray for those who persecute you. You have a hard time not getting along. You have a hard time hating those people that you pray for. Trusting in Him. Lord, deliver us from evil. I'm convinced one of the largest sins in Christendom is a mechanical, religious, borderline blasphemy recitation of this prayer over and over and over again. Now, can you say this prayer in sincerity and mean it? Yes. But I grew up in a church where we would say this heartlessly every Sunday. Please don't do that. That is not why Jesus gave us this prayer. He gave us this prayer as a model. He did not say pray exactly this way every time you pray. He said you ought to pray like this. This nearly makes God out to be a robot saying another Lord's prayer up for that guy. Another Lord's prayer up for that guy. Don't do that. Don't do that. I've done that too. But if you do do that, mean it if you're going to say it, but remember that's a model for us in prayer. This cannot be what he meant. He, he did not mean... I, I remember living in the dorms and this young man, he would, he would go in the study area next to our dorm and we would hear him for hours reciting these same prayers over and over and over and over again. 
as if God did not hear him the first time. Now, there is a sense in which we're called to be persistent in prayer, but that's not what Christ meant when he spoke of that. Still, this is what some of us do at lunch, dinner, breakfast, isn't it? Huh? I mean, right? We'll have to be careful even as we sit down. It's foolish sometimes, isn't it, what we do? I mean, we sit down, we unwrap a twinkie, and we go, Lord, make this food healthy, healthy for my body. Lord, bless this. I mean, come on. I mean, that's kind of funny, but that's really what goes on in a lot of cases. As we sit in the Arby's drive-thru, we go, Lord, make this healthy for my body. Or bless these hands that have prepared this. Oh, hands are going to work faster next I mean, come on, really? I mean, I'm joking, but I am serious. We've got to get away from this. And I'm talking about you, and I'm also talking about me, but... Man, I love, I would rather have some young guy stand up and pray to the Lord. He's a new believer and stumble through his prayer to God and have him listen to him talk straight to God, not to me, not know what the right things are, than have some old vet stand up and recite the most eloquent thing you've ever heard. Baloney. Pour your heart out before God. You know what ranks right up with this all? You know what ranks right at the top in this for me? That sinner's prayer. That one some of you have ingrained in your mind because you've said it hundreds of times over again just to make sure it worked. Most of you could recite it from memory. Probably because most in our generation have done it hundred times over. That phenomenon, that, that sinner's prayer that has gone through, don't you dare give them some thing to just repeat over and over. Can you express your heart to God in prayer? Can you cry out to God? Yes. Amen. I know of the tax collector that went before God and said, Lord, pardon me. I'm a wicked man. That theology, that poor, poor theology is dying, but it's not dead. It's still the first thing that comes up when you search prayer on YouTube. Repeat after me. Here we go. Line one. Come on. Let's get away from this from this recitation, from this over and over and over again and pour our hearts out before God. Many who pray that prayer never pray again. That's their first and last prayer. Because they figure that seals the deal and then go on their way. Friends, think about your prayers. We must think about what we're praying. Not some eloquent, put-together thing, but an expression to the King of Glory. Lord, hallowed be Your name. Do not mindlessly take your shopping list to the Lord. Lord, I want this and this and this with a side of this. No. Father, I'm here to worship You. Lord, I'm here to confess my sins to you. Lord, I'm here to pay you honor. And Father, thank you that I can come and ask confidently before your throne. I can take these things to you. The King of Glory does not delight in our religious prayers. They smell too much of what the Pharisees did. Take him your supplications. Go to the throne and battle. Pray. Pray to the Lord. Pray with joy in your heart and confidence in your mind. Now, that you know how to pray, don't overcomplicate your words. Don't propose some eloquent... And I mean, I'll tell you a story. One, this young man meant it as a compliment, but he said you're an eloquent... One of the hardest things that was ever for me to hear was a dear friend say, you're an eloquent prayer. Oh, you're an eloquent prayer. 
Lord, I just want to pray. And if that comes out in some form or fashion that fits together, then praise God. But if it comes together as the most choppy thing in the world, then praise God. You know what I mean? Are you tracking with me? Yeah, let's take our prayers to the Lord. Let's lay them before His throne. Formulaic? No. Outline? Sure. You guys know acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I think of that often. That's good. Praise God for that. Nothing wrong with that. That's what the Lord gave us in these models for prayer. But drop the religiosity. Drop it with me. I have a hard time with that too. Now, there's much to be said on the teachings of Christ in prayer. We could go on all night, but there's tremendous resources on that. Much better than you'll find here. Much better than you'll find here tonight. Go out if you want to learn on the teachings of Christ. If you want to learn on the didactic teachings of Christ, there is, they're abundant. They're all over. What I want to focus on here tonight is not so much the teachings of Christ in prayer. It's the example of Christ in prayer. It would do us far better to look at the intimate example of Christ. In fact, let me read one of my favorite quotes on prayer. Listen closely as I go through this. This is good. The great people of the earth today are the people who pray. I do not mean those who talk about prayer, nor those who say they believe in prayer, nor those who explain prayer, but I mean those who actually Take time to pray. They have not time. It must be taken from something else. That something else is important. Very important and pressing. But still less important and pressing than prayer. There are people who put prayer first and group other items in life schedule around and after prayer. These are the people today who are doing the most for God in winning souls and solving problems and awakening churches and supplying both men and money for the mission post and keeping fresh and strong their lives in far-off sacrificial service on the foreign field where the thickest fighting is going on and in keeping the old earth sweet a little longer. Now I want to be someone who teaches on prayer only. I want to be somebody who prays. I want to be somebody who prays. I must ask you, as I do myself, do you pray or do you just talk on prayer? You know, one of the greatest problems I have with retreats, parties, late night meetings, I mean, this Friday night's great, but the next morning, you know, you can barely pry me out of those dorms sometimes when we go after there and sing. We'll sing till one in the morning, till the curfew, till they kick us out of there and we'll go home. I mean, those are some of those precious times on earth to me. But if you don't get up the next morning, it, and I'm not even necessarily talking about bright and early, but if you're not in prayer, the things that we're talking about tonight will bounce off your soul. The church is so filled up with noise. Activity. There's never been a time in history where so much is going on. Noise, events, everywhere, this, that, come do this. There's things everywhere. I wonder how we can ever expect God to bless our efforts without first committing them to Him. I think it was Tozer, maybe old Raven, who said, the church has never had so much activity and the church has never had less power. Amen? There is so much going on, so many events, so many even good things. Come here, do this, do that. Good things. So much activity, so little prayer often. I wonder how long we, the church, will go out on tender knees into the battlefield and take our own wicked hearts before us and say this is our weapon. Instead of taking the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, those weapons, prayer. Let's go before not with tender knees, but with calloused ones. I wonder how long. How long will it happen? I mean, you can hardly pry me out of those dorms. 
But can I get up the next morning? Can you get up the next morning and talk to the Lord? Can you commit things to prayer? That first thing that Andy talked about, I will commit my ways to the Lord and He will establish them. It will not sink in and kill sin for more than a night if you do not commit it to prayer. Cut out food, cut out Facebook, yes, but never prayer. Job said, I've regarded your word more than my necessary food. Let it be so with prayer. For the word ought to fuel and inspire our prayer life. He said, I want, I want your word more than my food, Lord. And I want prayer. I want prayer more than my food. The word compelling to pray. More compelling than anything else Jesus taught. This is a quote by Iron Beeler. Listen to this. More compelling than anything Jesus taught about prayer by precept was that he taught by his prayer practice. He depended on the great soul-moving experiences of his life. Whether he needed courage, strength, or fellowship with the Father, prayer was his reliance. Listen, his very mood. Prayer was Jesus' mood. There are 17 verbal references to Christ praying in the Gospel. Luke alone uses two Greek words for prayer over 40 times in his Gospel. Prayer saturates the Gospel and it saturates the Bible. Jesus prayed at his baptism during his first preaching tour. Choosing the 12 apostles, he prayed all night. He he prayed before feeding the 5,000, before the 4,000, before Peter's confession as Christ at his transfiguration for some children brought to him after returning the 70, before giving the Lord's Prayer, before raising Lazarus. I could go on and on. I'm not even going to finish this list. He prayed. Jesus prayed. I'm going to read to you some scriptures on Jesus praying. We're going to go through these. You see if you can find a theme. Matthew 14, 23. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And it was evening, and he was there alone. Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. Mark 1, 35. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Mark 6, 46. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. Mark eleven twelve. On the following day, when he came from Bethany, he was hungry. Why was he hungry? He was fasting again. Jesus was in prayer. He was in fasting. Luke 5.16 But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness in prayer. Luke 4.42 and 43 When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him. They came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to those in the other cities also, for this is why I was sent for this purpose. Luke 9.18 And it happened that while he was praying alone. Now we see why. Christ had grounds to say what he did in Matthew 6, don't we? But when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place in you. And your Father who sees what is in secret will reward you openly. Jesus, if anyone had an excuse not to pray. It's said that at times up to 10,000 people were following him around. Masses were following Jesus. And if anyone could say... Lord, I just don't have time. It was Jesus, but he didn't. Notice that while Jesus was speaking of prayer and fasting, he did not say, if you pray, do it this way. Rather, prayer was expected of him, even commanded. He said, when you pray, when you pray, go away to a quiet place, when you fast, when you fast. No wonder he turned over the tables and said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Again and again and again. 
I do not want to give you such a broad survey of prayer that you fail to see the depth in what's happening here. So I want to hone in on one passage. Grab your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Let's start in verse 29. Give you some context as to what's going on here. Mark 1, verse 29. And immediately after... Wait a second. What do you see in Mark over and over again? What's going on in Mark? 15 chapters. What's the theme here? Immediately. 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 Jesus is going from place to place. We're in verse 29 of chapter 1. And guess how many times he said immediately already? Eight. This is the eighth immediately. Jesus is going immediately here. He's going immediately there. Not frantically, but persistently doing things in the kingdom. He did this, and immediately he did this. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and nine, immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. Verse 32, when evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill, and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city had gathered at the door, and he was healing many with, who were ill with various diseases and casting out demons, and he was not permitting the demons to speak, because they knew who he was. And verse 35, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a secluded place and prayed there. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said, Everyone is looking for you. He said to them, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. Wow. Right? What's going on here? Let's dig our heels in a little bit. What's Jesus doing? The crowds are swarming around him. He goes in. He heals the mother. She gets up and wait on him. And then what? Verse 32, when evening came. So this is after dark. Jesus has been doing stuff all day. He's been immediately going from place to place. And chances are he's exhausted. And finally the sun sets. Finally the sun sets. The crowd swarm like a modern day concert. You know what it makes me think of? Like a, like a darn mosh pit or something. You guys ever been to a mosh pit? I have. Yeah, I know Shiloh has. Amen. <laughs> I mean, they... I, forgive me if some of you... They seem like the most ridiculous thing in the whole world to me. But I've been to them. And that's what it was like almost. People saying, my son has got a disease and I've got to get him to Jesus because Jesus is going to heal him, so get out of my way. And they're about to break the door in. And Jesus is exhausted. And you ever been this way? Just exhausted. I mean, just spent, just drunk, just strung out. Rode hard and put away wet. Just tired. I remember I was a sophomore. Sophomore. I moved back into the dorms. I was a young believer. And I was lying in bed. And I was doing, I was running in circles everywhere. I was doing everything. All these events, all these things. I was pushing out and I had no fruit. But I was running hard after the Lord. I remember going to bed late and getting up early and laying in bed and going, Lord, I can't even move. I'm exhausted. Help me. I remember when I was witnessing, had the chance to witness on campuses in Australia. I was doing it most of the day, and I would come back at night, and I was just exhausted. 
I would go and I would throw myself on the couch and I would fall asleep. Some of you know what that's like, especially in ministry. You ever got out of an intense time of, of ministry, of teaching or counseling, or, and you're just drained? You're just shot. You're just plumb tired. That's what's going on here. Jesus is spent. He was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. And now look what happens. Jesus is exhausted, maybe up till midnight, two in the morning, who knows. What's he do? He gets up and he tiptoes out. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house. What's going on? What early morning? What are some of the other translations say? Early morning? Very early. Come again. Still dark. Still dark. A long while before daylight. A long while before daylight. This is looking at the fourth watch of the night. That's what this can be. That's what we see as we translate this. This is the time period. When's the fourth watch of the night? Between three and six in the morning. Jesus gets up and he tiptoes out because you know everybody else is asleep. We think Sunday is over and we can just, man, we can cave in on Monday. This is the morning after the Sabbath. And Jesus has had an intense Sabbath. And he gets up and he tiptoes out. Why? Because he must be alone. He must refill himself. He must be alone with the Father. He must see God's face before he sees anybody else's face. Who was it? Luther who said, I I have so much to do today. I, I have so much to do. I'll never get it done unless I spend the first three hours in prayer. Jesus knew this. He said, I must be alone. Psalms 119, 147, I rise before dawn and I cry for help. I wait for your word. Psalms 5, 3, in the morning, O Lord, in the morning I will rise and I will present my request before you and I will wait in expectation. In the morning, O Lord, I will rise and I will wait. I will present my request before you and I will wait in expectation. John Bunyan, another callous need saint, said, he who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. <laughs> Not just during the day. In Luke 4.42, he labored for us during the day. He snuck away during the day and prayed. People always wondering, including myself, what is God's will for my life? You ever said that? I just want to know God's will. What's God's will? I, I say, I, you know, what's God's will? What does Paul tell us? I don't know whether your will is to marry this person or that person. I don't know whether your will is to go to to this country or that country. I don't know. But I do know that Paul says the will of God is that we pray. And that we pray without ceasing. When do we pray? At all times. Everywhere. When did Christ pray? He prayed in the morning. And He prayed during the day. But He prayed all the time. What does that mean? Let us shut ourselves in a closet and never let us out? No. But it does mean that we're in constant communion with the Father. He was always praying. I know a brother. He's here tonight. I know a brother, you can see his lips moving during the day. He's not doing it so anybody will watch, but you, you go through him, he'll be doing things, he'll be praying. Brother, he's, I mean, none of you know who I'm talking about, I guarantee you. Quiet, meek, son, brother. And he'll just be praying. I know he is. That's <laughs> really something. I want to pray. I want to pray throughout the day. I want to be like that. You know, I can relate with Peter probably the best out of the disciples. I just, as I read through, I often think that. <laughs> and that's not a compliment. <laughs> Peter gets up. He's ready to get rowing. He's raring to go. 
Peter's leading the search party. He's ready to move on. He's anxious. He's ready to go. He's ready to leave. He's ready to serve. He bursts out of the front doors and he leads the search party for Christ. I'm going to go get the Savior. I don't know what he's doing, but he needs my help again. <laughs> Simon, that is Peter, and his companions search for him. Why does it say Simon? Because Simon's going, Lord, what you doing? I, I can relate to this. I mean, our last potluck. I don't know if you guys have been here Sundays for potlucks after church. I asked one of my good brothers in Christ to MC for it last time. And he's doing a good job MCing, and I'm on my timeline. And he's off doing this and that. And I text, where are you, man? I don't see you anywhere. You gotta you gotta tell the people it's time to judge the chili. What are you doing? You're nowhere to be found. That's Peter. He goes, Andy knows what I'm talking about. He called me out on here. Be all right, we'll judge the chili. But that's what Peter's doing. Lord, we got people to see. We got things to do. The people are all saying, Where are you? Where are you? I can imagine. Can you imagine when he first comes across Christ? What happens here? Peter's charging through the wilderness. I'm going to get. Where's he? I'm going to get him. You know, when he comes across Christ, and Christ is in prayer. I don't know what his reaction was, but I really wish I could have seen it. Right? He sees the King of glory, the Lion and the Lamb, in intimacy with the Father. And there's something to be said here. There's really something about this. Remember Matthew uh, 6, or excuse me, Luke 11? Remember what it says there? We we skipped over this, but this this is really something. This is later. It says, It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, this isn't uncommon, of course, After he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, why did they wait until he was finished? Well, I don't know, but if you've ever interrupted somebody in prayer, you probably know why. And I don't know what it was like to interrupt the King of Glory in prayer, but Peter did it. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, without reading too far into the text, there's some frustration and misunderstanding in Peter's words here. He says, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus, what are you doing? we got really something going here. There's more people coming all the time. You're feeding them. You're doing miracles. Look at all the people. Jesus, we got a good thing going here. Everyone's looking for you. Aren't you going to heal them? What's Jesus say? He said to them, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach to them also, for that is what I came for. You ever notice that you can't make people pray? You can lead a horse to water. But really, you can't make people pray either. I mean, you can ask them to pray. Sometimes I appreciate when people say, How, How's your prayer life going, Tanner? And sometimes I ask other people's too. And, and uh, you know what I often hear? I just don't have time. I don't have time to give you my full theology of time, but I'll give you a snidbit here. And hang on to this, because it's from my mama. <laughs> the first part is, anyway. She said, there's one thing the good Lord give everybody the same amount of, and that's time. You all got 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with it? You know, I teach the men I disciple, and that they teach me, don't you ever tell me you don't have time. I know what you mean when you say that, but what you're really saying, what you really mean is I didn't make that a priority. Think about it. It doesn't even make sense. I didn't have time. No, 
you got the same amount of time I did. Now, I'm not trying to rule with a rod of iron here, but I am trying to get a point across. You won't hear me ask people, um, if you get a chance, do this. Or at least, I try not to say that. If you get a chance. No, I say, if you make a chance. Because you're not going to get a chance. Not in this day and age. If you make a chance. If you make time. What are you going to do with your 24 hours? Why didn't you pray? I didn't have time. No, you had time. I had time. Spurgeon said, I would rather teach, listen, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. I agree. I'd rather have ten men pray than one man preach. Now, preaching is the proclamation of the Word of God and praise the Lord that He gives it to men. That's His tool for advancing His kingdom, but boy, I love to see men and women on their knees. And I mean, not, not in a proud way. And really, if you're a man of prayer, here's how it is. Nobody might ever know except by your life because you're in your closet. You're alone with the Lord. I know some people who pray, not because I watch them, but because I see their lives. They're talking to the Lord. I think we've got to get out of that state of mind. I don't have prayer. I don't have time. I just don't have time. No, you do. You do, brothers and sisters. You might have to cut out Facebook, but you do. Let me read you one of my favorite stories of prayer. I don't, I don't know if this is true, but it's from a daily bread devotional, so it must be. Um, <laughs> it's, called, it's called, and some of you will know as I say it, you'll know it because you've heard it. It's called Spurgeon's Boiler Room. Listen. Five young college students were spending a Sunday in London, so they went to hear from the famous Charles Haddon Spurgeon. They went to hear him preach. While waiting for the doors to open, the students were greeted by a man who asked, Gentlemen, let me show you around. Would you like to see the heating plant of our church? They were not particularly interested, for it was a hot day in July, but they did not want to offend the stranger, so they consented. The young men were taken down a stairway, and a door was quietly opened. And their guide whispered, this is our eating plant. Surprised, the students saw 700 people bowed in prayer, seeking a blessing on the service that was soon to begin in the auditorium above. Softly closing the door, the gentleman then introduced himself. It was none other than Charles Spurgeon. And what if? You know? I mean, what if? What if we had a heating plant? I don't know if that story is true or not. It sounds a little bit too eloquent to me to be true, but what if? You know, I don't want to fire you up by these stories, but I'm just saying, what if? I see a generation rising up to take their place with selfless faith, with selfless faith. They're on their knees. They're on their knees. And sometimes I can sing that, but not often because I don't. I don't see it yet. I don't see a generation rising up to take their place. And I don't see that we're on our knees. We say, man, that's an old song. We've been singing that a long time. When are we going to get on our knees? When are we going to sing it and mean it? Sometimes I can sing it, sometimes not. Samuel said, far be it from me that I should sin by ceasing to pray for you. 1 Samuel 12.23 Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good and right way. Do you know that you've been prayed for tonight? There's 
somebody who comes in here and prays over this place. He doesn't know all your names and he doesn't know all your faces, but he prays over every chair. And he prays for you guys. And far be it that Andy should sin by ceasing to pray for you guys. And far be it that I should sin by ceasing to pray for you guys. And far be it that we should sin by ceasing to pray for the body of Christ, the church. I mean, let's get on our knees. Let's talk to the Lord. I believe with theology and experience behind me that the more intimate the soul in prayer, the more meek the child. The more persistent the heart, the more confident the saint, and the more callous the knees, the more tender the heart. There's some kind of direct relationship going on there. Do you love exegesis more than you do Jesus? You forget the Master, exegeter, Jesus. He explained the Father. That's what that word means, exegesis. Explain the Father. Jesus came and we look at Him and He explained the Father. Now, don't twist my words. I love exegesis. I love, I love theology. It's part of what motivates me. I, in fact, you want me to be honest, I have a hard time with prayer. I can sit down and I can, I can gladly read the Word for three hours. I love it. But I have a hard time with prayer, and I know all you aren't that way, but, but do you love exegesis more than you love Jesus? Are you more concerned with popularity than you are prayer? When I spoke briefly two weeks ago, I meant what I said about the sorrow of God drawing a man to repentance. And I meant what I said that when, if guilt is your motivation here tonight, you're not going to get very far at all. At all, at all. Man, I can lay a guilt trip down thick and heavy. I, I, that's not my job. And that's not what I'm here to do tonight. I want your soul to burn for prayer. I want your soul to burn for Christ. I want the love of Christ to compel you to pray. And that's not something I can make you do, and it's not something sometimes I can make myself to do. So let's beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Lord, make me to pray. Let's look at what Jesus, how Jesus responded to Peter. What did he say? Jesus could, listen, Jesus could have openly rebuked Peter. He could have come down on him hard, and at times he did. But he didn't here. He could have said, Peter, get behind me. He said, Peter, get out of the way. Instead, he gently reminded him, Peter, we have other places to go. We have different things to do. Can you be alone with God? Not just out of obligation, but out of opportunity. If I drive a religion in your heart, a, 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 something that you must do every morning to be right before God, then I've completely failed tonight. Besides answers in prayer, the Word tells us that we get a peace when we pray. Philippians 4.6 It also tells us in 1 Peter 5.7 that we can cast our anxiety on Him because He cares for us. Oh, I'm not trying to make prayer about all the benefits, but they're there. You know? That peace that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That's treasure prayer. <clears throat> What if we took God at His promises? You know what God says? Matthew twenty one twenty two. All things you ask for in prayer, believing in you will receive. You know what I think of when I read something like this? I'm about to get sentimental again, but I think of my mama. <laughs> I mean, she'll pray. The woman prays. And I hope she doesn't hear this tonight and this puffs her up. But I can say this cause she, partly because she ain't here. I, I mean, she 
praise. I got I know God chose me before the foundations of the earth. But somehow that works with my mama praying for me. My mother on her knees. I mean, she'd pray for my football teammates long after I gave up with them. I don't talk to my folks terribly often, but I do sometimes and she'd I'd talk to her and she'd say, How's so and so doing? Mom, I haven't talked to him in ages. I don't know. I gave up on him a long time ago. I can't pursue every single one. Well, okay, I'm going to keep praying for him then. Mom, he's he's off in la-la land. All right, I'll keep praying for him then. Okay, Mommy, do that. You know, but she'd pray. She'd pray. Anyone, Anybody can start a prayer. Can you finish prayer? Man, I've started lots of prayers, but I've finished only a few of them. Can you pray it on through? Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. You know what's going on here? The original language? Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep, keep, keep. There's a persistence in prayer. A labor in prayer. I heard a story of a new believer uh, going to... I remember there's a Bible college or seminary, but he burst into his advisor's room and he said, He said, Do you believe this? And he showed him a verse. I don't remember what it was. It was one of many Jesus' promises on prayer. All things he asked for in prayer, believing you will receive. And he said, do you believe this? And he said, well, what do you mean do I believe this? Of course I believe this. It's in the Bible. He said, you believe this. He says, this changes everything. Yeah, I mean, I want that. I want some of that, that new believer that says, man, I'm going to take word. I'm going to take God on his prayer. Like Jacob who wrestled with God and said, I will not let go until you bless me. I want to be like that young man that comes in and says, is this really true? Say, yes, of course it's true. It's in the Bible. It's the Word of God. Say, praise God. I'm going to take Him on His his promise. Not cocky, not arrogantly, but confidently. Oh, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, isn't it? I mean, Jesus said that for a reason. I sit here and I say these things and I think my flesh is so weak. He sympathizes with you, but He said to the disciples, will you not stay up with me one hour and pray? Let me close with this. Jesus prayed. And He prayed and He prayed and He prayed. And Jesus prays. Jesus is in constant intercession for us even as we sit here tonight. Ask Him to help you pray. This is a magnificent promise. If you can get your head around this, I really believe it changes everything. Hebrews 9.24 For Christ has entered not, only, not into the holy places made with hands, which were copies of the true thing. He's saying, look to the true thing, but into heaven itself, the true thing. Now, Jesus, now to appear in the presence of God on whose behalf? Our behalf. Romans 8.34 Who, who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. Paul's saying, who's going to condemn? Christ? No, He's the one who died. He's not going to condemn us. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of the Father, who indeed is interceding for us. Did you know that Jesus sits at the right hand and as the devil casts blasphemies and He casts things against us, Jesus intercedes and He says, no, He is mine. She is mine. I have bought for them. Listen to what Robert Murray McShane says. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Zechariah 
8.21, The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us continue to go and pray before the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself will go also. End quote. Will you go with Zechariah? Will you go with me? Will you pray? Will you pray for the body? Will you pray for those that are in here tonight that are far from God? There's some of you in here. There's some of you in here, chances are, that are enemies of God. You do not know God. Will you pray for them? Will you beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers? It's not, it's not easy. It is easy here tonight, but tomorrow morning, next week, next month, will you pray? Will you wear holes through the knees on your pajamas? Will you pray? I say that tongue-in-cheek, but I kind of mean that. You know? <laughs> Let me be clear. I speak to the born-again crowd here tonight. I speak to those of you that are in Christ Jesus. If you're not a new creature, if you're not a new creature, you're an enemy of God. Your debt is outstanding and your sin is a stench. You have no business going to the throne of God. He says your righteous deeds are filthy rags. How much more your sin? You cannot come before the holy place and plead the blood of Christ if you are outside of Him. Hebrews 9.24 says there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood, but there is one who's come on your behalf. You are under His wrath unless you turn from your sins and believe in Christ. I beg the Lord, I beg that His kindness would draw you to repentance lest you should likewise perish, Paul says. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. You who are weary and heavy burdened, you who see your sin tonight, come to Christ. Come to Christ. You don't, I mean, you don't know. I talked to a gal coming home from Laos. She said, she said, she said, I got my whole life to figure it out. First she told me she was an atheist and she said, I got my whole life to figure it out. I said, maybe you don't. You don't know. And you don't know. Turn to Christ. He bids you come and die and live again in Christ. Seek the peace. Lay off your burdens. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Cry out, I believe. Help me believe. Be like the tax collector. But I speak to those, the rest of you that are believers here tonight. Will you join with me? Rather, will you make time for prayer? Will you help me to pray too? I ask for help. Let us ask the Lord for help. Let us practice prayer. Now, we only have a bit here, but it would be foolish of me to instruct you on prayer and then not give you time to prayer. I, I know I've gone long. I know I've said some hard things, but listen. Pray. Pray. Ask the Lord. There's nothing special or magical about kneeling, but it shows your humility to God. It's bowing your, heart, your head, but it's also bowing your heart before Him. We do this sometimes Sunday mornings. But as the band comes up, I want you to turn around in your seats if you can, if there's room, and get on your knees and talk to the Lord. Bow before the Lord. If you're unable to do that, that's fine. But if you can, get up, turn around in your seats and talk to the Lord. Ask Him to help you prayer. You know what, you know what the man said? I believe. Help me believe. Help me believe. I'm going to do it too. We'll pray for a little while. And uh, then we'll close. After we get done, the, the band's not going to do that magical uh, playing music while you're praying thing and make it all romantic, but we are going to sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus. But before then, let's pray. Let's pray.